I'm CJ Von Essen. I'm Alexis Mora. And we are going to be watching every single comedy movie made in the year 2007. So is it a musical comedy, a romantic comedy, an action-adventure comedy? If there's jokes, we're watching them. <laughs> Alexa, how many are on the list that you made so far? I cannot tell you, but it's a very long one. <laughs> um, I downloaded a Decision Maker app and went through Wikipedia and went through all of the movies released in America in 2007. And anything that had comedy in the genre, I just added it in. There are some I've never heard of. There are some that probably aren't even comedies. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But we'll, we'll be the judge of that. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be doing this. Why? I don't know. Um, we had the idea a while back. Yes, we thought, let's watch a comedy movie, every single one from one year. And CJ said, what year? And I said, I don't know. 2007 feels right to me. And it also felt very right to me. So it was fate. It had to be 2007. In 2007, I turned 10 years old in March. I turned 12 in April. And so some of these movies, a lot of them are like younger audiences and like more animated ones. Yeah. So some of them we've seen, some of them we've never heard some of. Some never heard of. But therefore, our generation. Yes. And it's also, as I pointed out earlier off this podcast, the ages of 12 and 10 are very different than the ages of 24 and 22 right now. You're in a totally different state of your life, and that makes me feel very old. Just to give you guys a heads up, uh, let's list some some of the movies that we can think of off the top of our heads that came out in the year 2007. All right, Shrek the Third. The B movie. Spider-Man 3. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, man. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Oh, um... Uh, uh, the Will Ferrell Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory. Balls of Fury. Balls of Fury and Blades of Glory. Good Luck Chuck. Yep. There's two Chuck movies. Chuck and Larry and Good Luck Chuck. And, oh, yeah. It was a year of the Chuck. There's some other... Oh, Ratatouille came out. That oh, was the Pixar movie. Ratatouille. Yeah. Epic movie, epic which... Epic movie. I, extreme movie. Epic movie I loved when I watched it first as a kid. Uh, but I know it's going to be so bad when we I, watch it again. We... My friends and I loved that It was movie. so good. We would at quote the time. <laughs> we would quote it at the playground in sixth grade. We thought it was the peak of comedy. I still remember it. Them in uh, Willy Wonka's factory and the whole gag of like the nutcrackers and the nuts fell off. Oh, that was horrifying. I that thought makes that was me peak sick, comedy. Sick to my stomach. I the peak of comedy was when um, what's her face. Uh, the lady playing Lucy, who is also in Glee, sure. goes, the beaver talks, and she goes, oh, a talking beaver, and just kicks the beaver. And I was like, <laughs> that is comedy. Yeah. I've never seen anything funnier in my life. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Oh, I'm so excited to watch that one, whenever uh, that may be. Whenever that may be. So those are some of the highlights. But right now, we went ahead and we just finished watching one of the movies from 2007. Yes, it was one of... It came out the first weekend of 2007, January 5th. And it is a little number called Happily Never After. Never being an apostrophe. So it should be e ever. E-R. Never. Never. <laughs> that is, we don't know if we're going to go the movies in order. Probably, I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. We haven't decided. 
But it just so happened the first one we decided to pick was the first one of the year. And boy, was it a doozy. Oy. We both thought it was hoodwinked at first. <laughs> I really thought it was hoodwinked. <laughs> I, and I know that hoodwinked is called hoodwinked. But in my head, when I saw Happily Never After, I was like, oh, hoodwinked, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's not um, hoodwinked. Right off the bat, animation, not so good. Not so great. Not even... And you look at it, and this is the problem with older animated movies. You look at some of these and you're like, oh, you know, it was 2007. Like, it wasn't that bad. But then you remember that Ratatouille came out mm-hmm. in 2007. This was this is 2019 right now. And so 19 minus 7. That's This is 12 years That's ago. That's 12 years ago. Happily Never After uh, is a... <laughs> what is it about? It, it's a fairy tale. It's one. a fairy tale. Um, immediate. Let's let's just jump. Let's just jump in. It starts with the evil, the evil stepmother of Cinderella. Uh, evil stepmother of Cinderella. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's holding a staff, and she's yelling about how she's going to take over the kingdom and be evil, and it's great. And then uh, the movie stops. Freddie Prince Jr. comes in and tells somebody that a troll left his lights on and then continues. <laughs> he's a narrator and he just stops the film and then continues speaking. And he's like, hey, there's a troll that's got a white sedan. He left your lights on. It's a joke from SpongeBob, but that's essentially mm-hmm. no, it. I got it. I got it. And then he continues to be like, oh, but let me tell you the story. That comes leading up to this, which I fucking hate when they do that, because why don't you just show me the fucking story? Yeah, it was... The, the story is just... We're in a world where all the fairy tales, all the fairyland characters are all together, right? In the same world. And for some reason, in the big castle where all the... Where the we, prince of Cinderella lore mm-hmm. lives. There is a wizard at the top who has two apprentices, and the three of them together control, for some reason, the good and bad events that happen within all, all of the... fairy tales. Yeah. So, like, Snow, Snow White, Cinderella, Rapunzel, Red Riding Hood, uh, Frog Prince, and Rumpelstiltskin, and mm-hmm. I'm sure others that we didn't see, he watches over them and makes sure makes sure that they all end in happily ever after. Based upon a simple mechanic of a scale. Yes. So if you tip the scale too much to the darkness, it's going to be dark. And they didn't show us what happens if you tip it too much to the lightness. That's true. But I guess it becomes too good? And so all you have to do is put weight on one end to affect the outcomes for every single storyline, every character. Yes. In and, this world. And this wizard, who's played by George Carlin, legendary comedian, by the way. Let's just... Oh, can we talk about how this... The, the voice actors are, were amazing. Are really good. <laughs> but it was bad. It wasn't... It was so bad. It had Freddie Prince Jr. Yes. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Coming off their Scooby-Doo fame. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sarah played uh, Princess... Or not Princess. She played Cinderella. Cinderella. Freddie Prince Jr. played... Rick. A- character in a fantasy movie called Rick. <laughs> He's Rick. First... The dishwasher. Wait, no, because first they call him Rick the Royal Shoe Polisher, mm-hmm. and midway through the movie, they just decide to call him Rick the Dishwasher because <laughs> he washes dishes once, I guess. <laughs> he just changed his, his name, and they make him... Like, 
when they introduce the prince, they have the prince and his royal butler and then the royal shoe polisher slash dishwasher standing next to him at the throne like he's important. The prince, played by uh, Patrick Warburton. Yes. And the royal butler is uh, Tom Kenny, right? Yes. That was Tom Kenny? Thomas Like, as as just, like, a additional backup role. Yes. And there's George Carlin, there's, uh... Sigourney Weaver. Yes! Coming off of holes. She, she was the evil person. She was the evil stepmother. And truthfully, she did, she did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> she was evil the entire time. She did. I, okay, I want to talk about this, um, stepmother for a second. So... <laughs> I'm just going to talk about the bodies in general. Yes, just please, for a go ahead. The design of the women characters are so gross. They're so weird. Cinderella is supposed to be wearing a modern, a modest dress, but it's weirdly like above her knees and it's very strange to look at. And she also has a pixie cut because she can't be like all those other princesses you know she's very cute though i guess and then the evil stepmother she like oh um, she's got titties for days and hips and hips days. and a butt no waist and they introduce her now she's already they sexualize every movement that this poor woman has like every step she's swishing her hips and her boobs are moving but when she gets introduced she's swishing her hips and her boobs are moving but she's got a very modest dress on and her hair is like in like some old timey kind of like modest hairstyle and she's like we're going to get ready for the ball and then she comes downstairs and she instantly Ages 20 years younger. (laughs) Her hair is in like a half up, half down 90s hairdo with a scrunchie. And she's got this... The dress. Tight, tight dress that's like burgundy. And it's got like a mesh top. And it's got side slits all the way up to her butt. It is obscene how tight it is and her boobs have their own physics she walks and the boobs are like whacking all over the place right now we're giving people a reason to watch it yeah upsettingly and then she bends over and like the dress shows like like this bitch ain't wearing underwear you see every crack of her butt it's obscene it's like if you took jessica rabbit and was like let's just make it worse and the entire, all the characters, the whole thing still looks like a PS2 game. Yes. Yeah. Their necks are ridiculously long. I, I couldn't, I was really angry about the necks. They, <laughs> like, like, they're not human necks. They're, they're giraffe. They're like, I don't, I don't know what, like, definitely over a foot at times. Yeah. Like, the, the stepmother, <laughs> the stepmother's neck, so neck was so long. Her chin is so and she was wearing like the low cut. Yeah, she had a top. mesh top with a choker. And so it just oh. made it look even longer. Yeah, and the oh, let me talk about my man Rick. Go ahead, Rick. If you guys have ever seen uh, Treasure Planet, the main kid from Treasure Planet, it's just Rick. <laughs> it's just what he looks like. If you've seen Treasure Planet, you've seen Rick. But he he, he can't, for the life of him, show any emotion. No. His face is just smooth. The way that they designed him was to be like this, you know, the 
mid-2000s version of, like, what girls really like, which is kind of, like, the pretty boy with, like, the longer hair. Actually, everybody kind of had more of a 90s look to them, which was kind of weird. Did but, they? Yeah, like, a kind of, like, a 90s boy band kind of look. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was a little... Uh, now that I think about it, it was very 90s inspired, but, like, his, because they designed him to be so pretty, he couldn't move his face, and he would be <laughs> like... He'd be like, Ella! But, like, there was no emotion in his eyes. Only pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the look of the movie as a whole was just such a letdown. Oh. It hurt. It was gross. For me, a big thing as well was the backgrounds yes. just had no detail to them. Yeah. It was just, like, a set piece of, like, the castle. And you'd see just, like, a rolling hill spread that was so generic Yeah. Looking. And according to IMDb, the backgrounds are all paintings. Which is interesting, but, like... Still not enough. Make him a better painter. According to IMDb, the movie got 4% yes. on Rotten Tomatoes. 4% right? on Rotten Tomatoes. So we, we, we talked about how it looks, and it looks bad. It looks bad. What about how it sounds? Awful. <laughs> we were shitting on this movie. This movie's not... Okay. It's we're, not good. We it, could, like, there are some good things, but... Um, we'll so get to them. The music is, you know, ge- generic, whatever, movie music. It's fine. But then every once in a while... They will cut to music that is very specific and very different. You could tell that it was made to go into song, Mm -hmm. but it never does. No, it's like it was written to be a musical. Yeah. But then they were like, oh, scrap it. We don't have the money. Just we don't have the money. We don't have the time to scrap it. And they already had like the music. So they're like, oh, we'll just stick the music in it. But it's so obviously different and... Like, not just, not just a little different. Like, it's very, very, like, it takes you out of, out of it. Mm-hmm. And then the, the songs will just cut. It'll be like, do 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 and then just cut immediately to, like, something else. There's no flow. The audio mixing is not good. The music is too loud. Very janky. Very janky. They had one good song. Yes. There's a song towards, like, the, the rising action, I guess you would say, where Rick and Ella are fighting with their emotions because they realize that they want to be together. But, but Ella wants the princess, and Rick's like, uh, or wants the prince. Wants the prince. Yeah. And Rick wants Ella, but he wants to, but he loves her friendship more than blah, blah, blah. But they sing a song about, you know, w- what if they don't want what they really want? And even though their characters don't sing it, you can see that there was effort put into it. Mm-hmm. It's just a little jarring that it's a um, music video in the middle of a movie when the rest of the movie did not have musical sequences. It should have. It, it would have made it a lot more, a lot yeah. better to watch. And the music that they have is very <laughs> spot on. Very on the nose. It's like the the prince is climbing up the mountain and there's like a grunge song that's like, it's climbing up the mountain, yeah. gonna win his girl. And you're like, was this written specifically for this movie? I still don't know. A lot of them I feel like not. Because yeah. they did have Disco Fever. They did have Disco Fever and they did have a uh, remix of the Monster yes, Mash. Yes. A techno Monster Mash remix. And they had, um, what's the other one? Burn Baby Burn Disco Inferno. yep so look wise not so good not great sound wise not great what what other factors are there there were story story uh confusing i my big thing 
if I can go into this now. Sure. Is is just the whole mechanism for the scale. I paused the movie, and I told you, like, should I tell you this now, no, or wait? No, get into the scale. So here's my thing. We figured this out partway through the movie. All the fairy tale characters are taking place in the same world, in the same place, right? And they have one central castle. That's where the prince lives. Mm-hmm. First we realized, like, hold on, wait a minute. The wizard and the apprentices that watch over and make sure that the good and bad things are happening in, like, line with each other... They're in the world. They're in the same yeah. like, and they don't establish place. that at all. No, they're like they it. They make it seem like they are in a different world. Like they're outsiders looking in. They're like the god of this world. But they're just in the attic of the castle. They're just they're in the attic, and nobody like the prince isn't like oh you talk to the weird wizard that lives in my attic. Like nobody knows about the weird wizard who lives in his attic. And the purple cat Mumbo. Mumbo. He he his whole like character thing is that that starts the whole movie is that he's tired and lazy and he he's sick he and tired an of edgy of the movie. same stories being watched over and over again. And so that means the the, the people in the whole like land. They loop the same fairy tale over and over again, but they while they're still it. in the land, and they acknowledge it too because um, Monk, who is the pig apprentice played mm-hmm. by Wallace Shawn, is like, "Oh well, every time we see this fairy tale, Cinderella, you always end up with the prince." And she's like, "I always end up with the prince." He's like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Are we not going to talk about that? This isn't the first time." And so they're they're trapped in this reality of just. Going and resetting the stories, and so whatever happens to the one that we're watching doesn't matter because it's just going to reset. Yeah, and right? the whole thing is about changing your destiny, which is fine. But like, does it automatically reset? Are they the are the wizards the ones who reset them? I'm not. I'm not understanding. So here's my thing. Okay. This is what uh, ticked me off. Yeah. In the be- in the beginning, we see uh, the stepmother take a big heavy book. Put it on the bad side of the weight, the scale, mm-hmm. the tip it over, right? Mm-hmm. That's what caused bad things to start happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sleeping Beauty got kissed, but the, the prince, prince fell asleep. Who's another prince, by the way. Yeah, they have so many princes that they just don't acknowledge in the same kingdom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Little Red Riding Hood gets eaten. Gets killed! Little Red Riding Hood is dead. Rapunzel falls out the tower, but she seems fine. So she I seems think that's fine, just... but the prince is like, I landed on my keys. <laughs> so these bad things all happened just because the immediate book placed on the scale, right? Tip the 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 side, the, the arrow meter, all the I way guess. to bad. Yeah. And so it made Cinderella turn back into her, her maid outfit right before she was going to get kissed by the prince, which made the prince go like, oh, where's Cinderella? Yeah, the or prince isn't particularly my fair smart. It's Patrick Warburton. It's the best character in the movie. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> I love him a lot. But uh, going back... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the book is on the scale. It leans bad. Bad stuff should keep happening. And so fate, like... It, it, bad stuff, like... If this controls what is good and bad... It should only be bad stuff. And so then we watch this whole movie, whole plot. We get to the climax. They're back in this attic of the wizard of the wizard section, right? And they get the book off the scale and it turns like back to normal. But how can they do that? That's a good action. And like they're doing good actions by defeating the 
the stepmother when it's when on it's the bad still scale. still on the bad I guess because good will always triumph over But then the regardless. scale doesn't mean anything. I know then the scale does... Nothing means anything, CJ. That's what annoys nothing me. Nothing means anything. This is not a niche, a niche scenario. I said niche at first. A niche is the word. No, I'm trying, I'm trying to say the philosopher. Oh. Nietzsche. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was not... <laughs> I wasn't understanding. So the plot also was trash. Yeah, it's like... I, I was... I was on board at first. It was kind of like uh, Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time, a.k.a. the best Cinderella I have of the no sequels. idea what you're talking about. It's essentially now. the same movie where the evil stepmother steals the fairy godmother's wand and oh. changes everything, and then Cinderella's still a pauper and blah, blah, blah. It's actually pretty good for a direct-to-DVD sequel. But regardless, it's basically the same movie where the stepmother is like, I want to no longer be a stepmother. She doesn't, in the beginning, she doesn't know what she wants. She figures out that she wants to be an empress of evil. And that's what I like about the stepmother. (laughs) She really grew on me because she came in, she came out swinging. She was like, I'm going to be mean. And then she's like, there's no story arc to her. She doesn't get, she doesn't have any redemption. She doesn't have a tragic backstory. She's like, I'm going to be evil. That's that. And I respect that kind of determination, truly. (laughs) <laughs> Let's talk about the ending and how generic it was. Oh, it was so bad. They had a fight in the climax. Yeah. Where the fight was between Stepmother and Rick and Ella. And Mumbo and Morty. Monk. Yes, that Morty. I've never watched drinking And so they're having this fight. And Stepmother has this powerful magical staff. Gets thrown into a pit that she makes. They think they saved the day. She's they're like, like, oh, we're so happy. And they're like, and then Wallace Shawn is like, uh, does she still have the staff? And she rises them? through the pit better than ever. She's yeah. ready to destroy them all. And they just get into a fight again. The staff gets kicked out of her hand. Well, because right? the staff, she like tries to shoot. Uh, Ella with Ella mm-hmm. or Rick, one of them with like a beam of magic, but it misses and like ricochets onto a portal. The more we say Rick, I keep I like hate that's it. such a bad I name. I hate it. I hate that the main love interest name <laughs> in a fantasy movie is Rick. You could have even called him Richard, and it would have been better. But they're like, no, oh, this is Rick the dishwasher. Yeah. No. So she loses her staff. And then because of that, she doesn't have power. And she's like, oh, no. And then just gets punched through a portal. But (laughs) Because we can't not sexualize anything on this woman for two seconds. Mm -hmm. Ella boob punches this woman into another world. And the boobs move as she falls backwards. I was... In distress. And then it's a shot of Rick on the ground going, huh. Yeah, because at one, because once the staff falls, he randomly turns red for a second, then wakes up from being unconscious. And I'm yeah. like, oh, Rick's back to life, I guess. <laughs> can we talk about uh, the baby and Rumpelstiltskin? Absolutely, we can talk about the baby. So Rumpelstiltskin, they keep saying that Rumpelstiltskin's got this weird thing. Because in the original um, fairy tale... 
this you have to say Rumpelstiltskin's name like three times, and then he won't steal your baby. It's a weird fairy tale. Mm-hmm. But they keep making jokes about like, huh? Oh, why does he want a baby? That's so weird. Always oh, fighting for custody. LOL. So <laughs> when uh, the stepmother um, tips the scales into badness, the mother of the baby can't remember Rumpelstiltskin's name, and so she calls him different things. At one point, she goes. Rumple Masasan? And I'm like, what? So I take the Rumple Stiltskin takes the baby and immediately gets attached. Obviously, you knew that would happen. Mm-hmm. But the baby also gets attached to Rumple Stiltskin. And the two of them are like a cute little dynamic duo where he'll make like a snappy remark and the baby will be like, ha ha. And I thought they were going to be like a key piece in the plot. Like they he's really going to be made turned them seem good. Like it, because they kept putting them like in the background of scenes, right? like creeping in, like watching things, and they were really they they couldn't. Have... But no, he he was just a helpless henchman yeah. that ended up just being like once the stepmom was gone, he, they were just he, like ah. honestly, Rumpelstiltskin inserted himself into this movie because he Correct. didn't need to be there. He goes personally to the stepmother's lair mm-hmm. and goes, I would like to be your henchman. And she goes, I... <laughs> Here's what I think. I think he was only in this movie because what we found out afterwards, there is a second movie. There's a second movie. There's a, se- there's a happily never after two. Snow White. At, at the, the apple. At the apple. Back at, but the at is not like the letters A and T. It's the at symbol. And it was made in two thousand nine. Yes, we we avoided that one. And so I think Rumpelstiltskin has a bigger. Uh, He's on the poster, so. <laughs> I think he has a bigger role in that. And yeah, that might be why. That might be why included. they introduced him. Maybe he just became a fan favorite. I think it's time we, we yeah. go down to our notes that we've written. Yes. The first one was. Give the carriage a lube job. Yeah, so in the, in the beginning of the movie, when Cinderella's like, I want to go to the ball, the stepmother's like, of course she can go to the ball. But then, like, brings out this, like, huge list of all these chores. She's like, after you, do my laundry, and blah, 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 and, you know, do the, your sister's hair, and blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, and, and give the carriage a lube job. And, it, and I know, I know that I know that a lube job is a thing that you give to cars and vehicles and probably carriages. But when you're having an oversexualized character saying lube, lube job, lube job, it was very upsetting. We already talked about her titties. Talk, my note literally just says titties with a sad face. Yeah, uh, one of the jokes early on that actually made me laugh. <laughs> Was the lovable prince, Patrick Warburton. So good. He has this book of what a prince should do. And it's different steps. And one of the steps, he was like, uh, they must be heroic and uh, adventurous and all that. And the, the, the next one he goes was, be romantic. What? Is- romantic. And the whole joke is that he's reading it wrong and it says romantic. I, I didn't say this when we were watching it, but I read it and i was like roman thick i was like <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah you gotta was. be roman thick <laughs> the fairy godmother 
had a very small role. Yes. For someone that has magical powers. Yeah, and they intro- Freddie Prince Jr. introduced her in like the prologue where he's like, "Here's what happened." Freddie Prince Jr. in this prologue also introduces every single oh character God. that you meet. It doesn't matter if they have the smallest part. He's like, "And here is Bumbo, the tiny ant," and you're like, "Okay, <laughs> thanks." But he's like, here, he, when he introduces the fairy godmother, who's literally in one scene, he goes, and here's the fairy godmother. And she goes, she, she's a few Hansels short of a Gretel. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. And so when she first comes to see Cinderella, she just goes into a whole little monologue and says, uh, we're going to turn you into a real boy. And it was just dead pan- like a dead beat. Yeah. Because it was about... Pinocchio. Pinocchio. That one. That one was very clever as well. They I also, gotta give props to that. They did like a changing montage to put her into like a fancy dress. And at weird. one point, yeah, it was really, it was very awkward because the music was loud and weird. And, or maybe it was silent. I don't remember. It was very a strange moment. But they put Ella in this pirate costume that was really cute and she looked really good in it and i was like keep her in the pirate costume that stupid pink (laughs) dress is ugly uh then we have the different insults for cinderella well it wasn't insults the names the fairy godmother couldn't remember cinderella's name and so she would be like oh you're welcome salmonilla and oh have fun mozzarella and i just thought it was so funny it's it's just another, it, it's the same joke as in Finding Nemo when Dory kept calling Nemo like Elmo and Chico, but those jokes just make me laugh. What is this, what does this one say? Oh, okay. There's a so when the fairy godmother first discovers that uh, Mom, Mumbo and Monk, I can't get their names They're right. They're weird names. Mumbo and Monk are in the attic of the castle. The reason why Mumbo and Monk are in the uh, attic of the castle, by the way, is because the wizard who they are studying under is going on vacation to Scotland. There's so much to unpack. I can't believe we forgot that. We forgot about Scotland. And it's not like he, like, he literally just stands up in the middle of the scene and goes, boys, I'm going on vacation to Scotland. And we're like, (laughs) okay, I guess you are. That also got me. And he's like... Don't, he's like, oh, don't mess up things and don't touch the scale and don't touch the staff. And obviously all that shit happens. Um, so they're alone and they're like fighting because Mumbo wants to, I don't know, have fun and be edgy. He's not really clear. Um, and so they like cause a huge ruckus and the stepmother finds them. And this exact exchange of dialogue happens. She walks in, and Mumbo goes, ouchie, mama. And she goes, what's doing, boys? <laughs> and Wallace Shawn says, Frida? And I thought I had a stroke. <laughs> I was like, at first, I didn't realize that the evil queen's name was Frida at that point. So I was like, what is that? I, there was three lines of dialogue that I really did not think was full English for a second. And I was like, excuse me? Every once in a while, the movie actually got me with like an aside line that was funny and like not expected. Yeah. And so like Cinderella came in with a nice dress going over to the prince and you hear the hushed audience and they're saying different things. And you hear one person say, her feet are so tiny. Her feet are so tiny. (laughs) 
And that that got a good chuckle out good. of me. Then uh, the other one, what was the other line? Well, they kept mentioning her feet a lot. Yeah. Which was a little weird. I mean, I know that it's part of the story that Cinderella has small feet, which is why the slipper only fits on her. Um, but I didn't like that they kept bringing up her small feet. I thought that was a little too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, characters that we haven't mentioned yet. Ooh, wait, okay. So, the movie starts... The, the movie starts, like, pretty generic. It's like a, a twist-in-time kind of movie. And then towards the midway point, Cinderella says, we have to get the prince, because the prince is an idiot and is looking for his quote-unquote fair maiden. And you do a really good impression of the fair maiden line when he screams, like, fair maiden. Fair maiden! <laughs> and he's just, like, running around to different hills just screaming fair maiden because he doesn't realize that Cinderella, who turned into different clothes, was Cinderella. Mm-hmm. So the whole plot is Cinderella and Rick and her friends all have to, they all think that if they find the prince, then he can defeat the evil stepmother and everything can go back to normal. So... As they're looking for him, about the halfway point, it's still a kind of normal movie. And then they stumble upon the seven dwarves. And that's when the movie just goes off the rails. <laughs> there are no rules in this movie anymore. We'll ju- we're just going to do whatever we want. The seven dwarves. You know, mm-hmm. happy, sleepy, grumpy, dopey, bashful, sneezy. No! No, no, no. I love them. We have, we have characters like... Billy Bob. Cletus. Bubba. Duke. Those are the seven dwarves we all know and well, love. Well, there's the four out of the seven. We, we only find out for their names. They open up their mouths. They are so, their designs are so grotesque. They are so hideous. And now when they first came out, I was like, God, they're so ugly. And I love them because they're <laughs> just so bad. They were pretty good. And the moment they open up their mouths, they're like, what are you doing here? And you're like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like Play, they, they're played by Bender. What was his name? Oh, again? John DiMaggio. Yes. And then I'm sure uh, some other voice actors too that I'm sure we've definitely heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cin- Cinderella and Rick are like you and their friends, Mumbo and Monk. I don't know why it's so hard for me. Um, are like you have to help us um, because the evil queen has taken over, and they all the. Dwarves are like, okay, and they all huddle into a closet and then open up the closet and they are now covered in camo, head to toe, and they're like, we've been waiting for this moment. The big one. It's the big one. And they're like, what's the big one? They're like, we've been preparing. And they like open up their tiny cottage into like this giant weapon and they're like, oh, Cletus, go and fix the wheel. And Cletus is like, all right, Duke. And then they... It turns into their cottage, which is like within a big tree, turns into like a codenames kids next kids next door style like, like fortress. Yeah, and it's <clears throat> uh, and they're like you gotta fight, you have to fight off the witches who also have ridiculously large boobs and motorcycle, and motorcycle brooms that fly through the brooms. air. Like this world has motorcycle brooms and they don't call them motorcycle brooms. They're like, oh, get me a broom. And they just turn into motorcycles for some reason. Mm-hmm. So the dwarves are like, they're like, they get onto this weird machine that looks like, um, 
what are they like those mills uh, like yeah, a water mill yeah and they like they go to Cinderella and they're like hand me the diamonds and she's like what do you mean and he's like well why do you think we've been mining diamonds they're ammo they're stronger than a horse and bigger than a they're stronger than a man's weapon and they're sharper than a dragon's tooth <laughs> where I got a horse from. But yeah, and they're like, okay, so they're just piling on on diamonds and shooting people with them and shooting the, tro- the mm-hmm. trolls too yeah. that looked like the monsters from Space Jam. And the monsters from Scooby-Doo. The monsters the- from Scooby-Doo. They had the same ears. Yeah. All right, Alexa. Yeah. It's time for this one right here. No. Okay. So Alexa pointed out through the movie, that uh, it was very white. It was very... There were no characters that weren't white. And just to give you a taste. Yeah. I want Alexa Actually, to read this. I do want to say, though, all the characters were white, all of the actors were white. However, at one point, the prince opens up his little manual on how to be a prince, and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, this is going to be your fair maiden. And it looks exactly like Cinderella, except... She has dark skin. Hmm. Yes, that was the only inclusion of a dark skin character in this entire movie, and it was a picture in a book, and it was supposed to represent the white person. It was very strange. But at one point, the white people have to... I have to Rick. Play. Rick. Our man, Rick. Oh, are you, you going to play the audio? We can play the audio. Oh, yeah. I would love that. I so have it. So they need to get back into the castle. And right and at this point, the troll guards. it is Rick, Mumbo, and Monk. And their plan is to just act cool. Yes, because the evil stepmother has uh, taken Cinderella. And the prince obviously is not cut out for the deal because he uh, bumps into a tree. Yeah, he's and, Patrick Warburton. And whispers, sleepy, now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so there's two trolls standing outside the castle, yes. standing guard. So, I don't have this written down, but Rick goes in and goes, very casually goes, I'm just trying to put money in your pocket, player. <laughs> and just walks on past. And the trolls are like, okay. Yeah, no, you're right. And this is the rest. And then, and then uh, Monk, who is the Wallace Shawn character, all he says is, yo. And they let him on in. And then Mumbo, uh, the whitest one, does this. Fatty lingo. I'm a bomb, yo, fatty lingo. Ooh. He calls himself a hepcat. I don't know what that is, but it sounds offensive. To what? Cats? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, did they just racially code these trolls? I don't like it. Yeah, it was so... That was rough. Questionable. We talked about the boob punch. The boob punch was so bad. And I talked about my mechanics. Okay. 4%. On, on Rotten, rotten tomatoes. tomatoes. 4% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. So let's talk about how the movie ends. So the movie ends um, with they defeat the evil stepmother. 
Uh, everything Mumbo and Monk are able to put everything back to normal before the wizard even comes home. And the wizard comes home and he's like, I can you not believe it? I will miss the final tee. Because I guess he was golfing in Scotland. And he's like, oh, I can't believe you guys, you know, kept things safe. And they're like, yeah, we did a great job. And then Rick and Cinderella fall in love and get married and the prince becomes a wonderful friend to them and funds their wedding because the prince played by Patrick Warburton is the best character. He is so good. Consistently the best character. Biggest chin. Oh, so big. His sideburns move towards the direction of his nose for some reason. <laughs> also, to point out, I don't think I've ever heard Patrick Warburton try to do a British accent until this movie, and I think I know why. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> He's like, oh, my family, And I'm like, oh, Patrick, buddy, nobody told you to do that. You didn't have to. No one else had a British accent. No one else was British but him. <laughs> Pat, and we noticed that if you asked Patrick Warburton about this movie today, he'd probably be like, what's happily never after? Yeah, he probably has no recollection of no, this. No, Sigourney Weaver does, though. She put her heart and soul into that. She did that. a really good job. She's good at playing bad. She is. Yeah. She's a good actress. Honestly, the acting wasn't bad. Everybody did a really good job. It's just we couldn't see everyone's facial expressions yes, in the animation. Because the animation was bad. But the performances were okay. Um, so the movie ends and they all live, as they say, happily ever after. And all of the other fairy tales go back to normal. Except for what we don't see, which is Little Red Riding Hood. Because Little Red Riding Hood is fucking dead. Oh yeah. <laughs> She's di- she just straight up dies. And they're uh, like, would you like a, would you like Red Riding Hood's hood? That's all that's left of her. It's a size six. I'm like, that's strange. skin becomes Uncle Rumpy. Um, Uncle Rumpy. He gives the baby back and becomes Uncle Rumpy and names the child Little Reggie. Little Reggie. Little Reggie. <laughs> I He's forgot like, about that. I think that this violence is too much for Little Reggie. And I'm like, oh, Little Reggie. So the movie opened up, like I said, on January 5th, 20. 20- 2007 it got a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes it's I think it's got like four and a half stars on IMDb and it opened up on the same weekend as the movie Freedom Riders which is the Hillary Swank movie about uh, a white teacher getting to connect with her kids that are all people of color that are in a disenfranchised area and it's a very inspirational movie that i'm pretty sure won a lot of awards and was shown in classrooms i think from middle school onwards for me anyway so that weekend you had happily never after and freedom riders that's happily never after it's happily never after ladies and gents i feel like if you have not watched this movie already you do not need to see it. No, yeah, I wouldn't say that you need to. It was a little bit of a slog. Um, there were some points that we had to rewind because we kept getting distracted and yeah, spacing it wasn't, out. It wasn't a gripping. No, but then like movie. you'd space out, and then all of a sudden they'd be like, "Oh, I'm hip with that bebop fatty language," <laughs> and we'd be like, "Rewind, rewind the movie." We had to. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what just happened? I would give Patrick Warburton. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. 10 his, out of 10, His performance baby. was stellar as always. So good. Um, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so.
Sigourney Weaver. Oh, yeah. Really she good. also did very oh, well. Oh, my gosh. I forgot to talk about the stinger of the movie. The crazy credits, as IMDb calls oh, it. Oh, yes. Go ahead. So she gets pushed into a uh, magical portal. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, after, midway through the credits, they show that she is in some sort of Arctic place. And what look like very ugly and grotesque manatees all start trying to kiss her and hug her. And it's actually kind of sweet. And she's like, I'm the Empress of Evil. Don't touch me. And then that's how that ends. And that was your nice Marvel style yeah. post-credit oh, scene. Doing post-credit scenes before Marvel was doing post-credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Trendsetters. That was the first movie First comedy of 2007. First comedy of 2007 that we got. We have a lot more to go. We have a long list. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. This was bad, but it was fun to watch. It was fun. I'm excited, too, to see movies that we haven't seen before, that Mm -hmm. we don't know about. I'm excited to see movies that we have good memories of. Like I said, Epic Movie is going to be monumental. I'm scared. I don't want to relive that time. There's going to be so much to dissect. Oh, like I was 12. Do you know what being 12 does to you as a person? Yeah, I was 12 once too. It's not great. Two years after 10. Yeah. Correct. You were living that 12-year-old life when Happily Never After 2 came out. And I completely missed it. Aw, darn. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to us uh, rant about Happily Never After 2. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you were able to keep up with what we were saying. And I hope you had a Happily Never Never after. After. We'll see you in 2007.